Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OT's Get Paid podcast, season two, episode 15. Now, before we hop in today's episode, I want to remind you, for those that haven't yet heard, or those who have had it's a reminder that we now have the first group coaching program at OT's Get Paid, and it is the founding group for the 100K Club. Are you ready? If you make $100,000 gross a year and you want to make enough to put $100,000 net take home into your own pockets, then the solution for you is the 100K Club. If you are in this bracket, you know that you have built your business on hustle and sweat equity and now you need more strategy to grow. You are not in the start phase. You are not in the scale phase. You have taken yourself from startup on that hustle and you are now in the grow phase and you have, you you can't work anymore. You've just hit the ceiling on the amount of hours that you can work and you also need to start taking home more money. You need the tools to increase profit, clarity, and impact in your OT business and you need to find your people. I have been delivering this service one-on-one for over two years, and it's time for me to put it into a program and serve one to many. Look at me. I'm scaling my business too. The 100K Club, the founding group of the 100K Club is for you. Now, if you're interested, we have one more spot as of the podcast going live. We have one more spot. We start in January. We can give you more details. How do you find out? Here's what you do. You go to the link in the show notes, which will take you to the website where we have our quiz, our OTs get paid quiz to find out how to be a get paid peep, to find out how to get paid more money. And you are going to see your results. And if you are a feast or famine owner, i.e. somebody in the grow phase, this club is for you. 
when you get the results delivered in your inbox, hit reply and let us know that you are interested. You can also go to the website, which has a link in the bottom as well. Click on services and click on 100K Club and the link for the application is in that and we will get back to you. So this is a pull back the curtain moment. Stick with me. Listen to the sales funnel that I just created. Let's think about this. I have a call to action and I have two calls to action. Basically, I said, take the quiz or go on the website and apply. That's like messy. Okay, that's not the ideal sales funnel. Also, a lot of people don't really take action from a podcast. I personally do, and I think some of our listeners do. But asking people to go somewhere else off the platform or actually click links in show notes in a podcast is not the best method of sales. So I want you to recognize that what I just told you above is not a slick sales funnel. It's pretty messy, and I'm going to tell you why. Again, this is a founding member group coaching course or group coaching program. And I knew we would have a lot of interest, so I just went for it. It's the first group program you can take from me, and I think it's at 20% 20-ish percent of what my usual prices are for one-on-one. So I just went for it. I don't need large numbers. You know, we set a very reasonable goal. I don't want to group coach a huge group of people. That doesn't help. And I really want people who are keen to join, people who are action takers, people who have already hustled and they know they need strategy. They want to put that money in their pocket with ease and they're super coachable and they'll raise their hand to try something new. If I had needed higher volume, for example, or if I had a higher price point, typically the saying goes that you can sell anything under 3K without a whole huge sales funnel. If I needed more volume or I had a higher price point than this group coaching is, the founding price, I would need more copy. I would need a sales page. I would need a fancier funnel. If I had a less engaged audience, I would make a different decision. This is the decision I made. As I said, we've been able to fill this with like literally one email and a few things on social and that's it and this podcast. So there we go. That's a little behind the curtain scene as to why this is not an ideal sales funnel or it's not one to write home about, but it's effective and it's working for me here. Okay. Again, we have one more spot as of this podcast going live. If that is you, do not hesitate to reach out and just see if you are that fit. We'd love to have you. Today, I am very excited to share this podcast with you, and I want to tell you how this next guest came to be on our show. Again, back to the quiz. For those of you who have taken the quiz, you're going to find out what level of business growth you are in and how you can get paid and how you can get to that next business level. So in the quote-unquote real world, outside the OT bubble, there are three phases of business. There is start, there is grow, there is scale. At OTs get paid, start is underpaid therapist with a business. Grow is called the feast and famine owner. And scale is called money to burn CEO. When those results get delivered to you, we give you an email that gives you your results and what you need to do to start making it to the next level. Those of you who have scored money to burn CEO, and there's not many, are invited to connect to share on this podcast. That is one of the calls to action in the email that we deliver. And that's exactly what this next guest did. They got the results. It said, hey, you're doing great. Try this, try this, try this. And we really want to feature you on the podcast. And they reached out. 
Again, we're going to be discussing more of these phases of business going forward. And there is a different skill set to the scale phase than there is to start up or grow, which is why my group coaching is about grow. And we're going to be doing something for people in the scale phase and in the startup phase as we continue. So this call with this guest turned into a bit of a coaching call, actually. And you will hear me refer to our guests' phase of business and decisions that need to be made based on their scale. This next guest also gets very clear about her six-figure gross and her huge goal for next year and how she came to set it, and all the while continuing to advocate for those less fortunate. There's lots of inspiration there's lots of insights. We talk about the marketing steps that got here. I am very excited to introduce Monica Belanger, as I would say it. <laughs> Monica Belanger, Monica Belanger of Dedicated Pediatric Therapy. And away we go. Welcome, Monica Belanger. How are you? I'm so great. Thank you. How are you today, Trish? I'm good. So I am going against my Canadian grain, you know, because you know what I want to say for your last name. Yes. What do I want to say? Belanger. Exactly. <laughs> and I have to Americanize it. So are you originally French-Canadian? There must be French-Canadian Yes, in your my background. family is all French-Canadian. My grandmother is an immigrant from Quebec. And um, yeah, my whole family, they, they speak French. And um, the majority of her entire family is all still in Quebec. Do you speak French? I did. I, I used to. At one point in time, I was pretty fluent in conversational French. And as the saying goes, use it or lose yeah. it. And I moved to South Florida. And yeah. now I speak more Spanish than I do French. So I've kind of lost it. Did you teach yourself Spanish when you moved to South Florida? Did yes. the French help? It did in a way, but I tell you, it added a third layer of translating. So when I was trying to communicate with parents in Spanish, my brain would first translate the word to French, and then I would say, no, that's the French word, and then again, translate it to Spanish. That is exactly what happened to me when I lived in the United States. I have a story that I often tell. I used to live in San Francisco and I worked at San Francisco General. Really, really interesting time to be an OT in the 90s and SFGH. However, they put me down on the translation list because I said, yeah, I speak French. Great. And they would constantly bring me into the people who speak Spanish because obviously there's a lot more of those people in the United States. And I was like, I don't speak Spanish. So I would get them to write it down because the root of the word is somewhat similar. But yeah, and then I would try to speak. Eventually, I learned a tiny bit of Spanish and I would try to say it, but it would all come out French, literally. So Yes. And even now when I try to speak Spanish, there's a little French accent on it. And then they look at me funny and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, this is just to say our introductions show how multicultural our listeners are, and we appeal to audiences everywhere. So thank you again for being here. Let's jump right into things. And Monica, I want you to tell everybody listening, how do you get paid? Meaning, tell us about yourself and what you do. All right. So I am the CEO of Dedicated Pediatric Therapy. We provide family-centered, home-based occupational and speech therapy services throughout South Florida. And uh, we focus on treating children in their natural environment with all types of developmental disabilities. 
children from zero to 21 years old, and about 99% of our caseload is all the Medicaid population. So we get paid directly from Medicaid. Amazing. And how long have you been doing that for? Uh, last week was our three-year three, three year birthday. Oh, congratulations. What a nice way to celebrate with like being on your first podcast. Yeah, right? Oh, I never I'm so I'm so, Well, okay. We could go down that rabbit hole about putting yourself out there and taking small steps lead to great gains, as Laura Park Figaro would say. And yet you can sometimes not even imagine where you'll be three years from then, right? Absolutely. I couldn't imagine any of this happening. Oh, congratulations. I'm so excited. Thank so you. what was the, we talk about the table on the fist moment at OTs get paid. We talk about that. Oh, there's got to be a better way. What was it for you? I, I'm so intrigued by this because at almost every OT that I interview discusses how they almost fell into entrepreneurship. Like, you know, I call it the accidental entrepreneur. Now I think I'm going to have to write a book about that. I think at any rate, you know, what was that moment for you? What was that spark? Because I'm pretty sure, you, like most, you didn't wake up the day that you graduated from OT school and say, I'm going to be an incredible entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. I thought maybe early on in my career that I might have a business 10 years in or something like that, but it was so far off into the future that I didn't think of it as a real possible reality. But for me, I started out in home health as a new grad so, you know, just like the OT school said, don't new grads can't work in home health. And I said, watch me, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. You so, like a challenge? I mean, yeah, absolutely. So I started out in pediatric home health and I saw time and time again how valuable coming to the client's home was for the parent, especially for these families. So I saw them trying to juggle multiple responsibilities. They would go and try to, you know, pick up the child um, from school at the end of the day. They might have to go grocery shopping. They might have doctor's appointments, have responsibilities for siblings and all of that. And then to try to make it to a clinic for therapy, Mm -hmm. it was nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. And especially for kids with significant physical disabilities who may be in a wheelchair or something that makes it 10 times harder to try to bring them to a clinic for therapy. So parents were really loving having therapy in the home. They realized that they could then be involved in the sessions as opposed to in clinics. They were often left out in the waiting room and they were not involved. And we really saw that there was greater parent carryover when they are involved in sessions and it is a family-centered approach. There is more carryover and we are teaching the parents the same strategies that we are using. And inevitably that leads to greater long-term success. So I wanted to focus on home health. And then throughout my years, I had worked for several home health companies, and I really saw two different types of therapists. I saw therapists who did the bare minimum, just enough to get by to get their paycheck. And then I saw therapists who went above and beyond, who advocated for their their children in every environment that they needed. They, you know, went out of their way to do extra research and to develop new treatment strategies that were not used before and truly were dedicated to those kids' success. And so I wanted to challenge the standard of pediatric home health in South Florida, and I wanted to set the expectation very high. And so I gathered a team, you know, over several years, I've gathered a team of like-minded therapists who are truly dedicated to the kids that we serve, who go above and beyond and again, we're, we're challenging the standard of pediatric home health. And so we have this new expectation here that 
The children are going to be treated with the utmost respect and dignity, and we're going to advocate for them. And whether that's attending their IEP meetings or recommending uh, splinting or adaptive equipment, like we're doing it all. And this is the new standard here. And so now we're actually having parents and families reach out to us by name. They know us now for exceptional home-based pediatric therapy in South Florida. And they're, they're looking for us specifically. And there have been a few competitive or competitor companies that actually we've gotten like 10 or so transfers from that company and they're coming directly to us. And I don't know, I think it's the parents talking, but hey, have you heard about dedicated pediatric therapy? And now they're all coming to us. Oh, Monica, that's so fantastic. So I get a chance to see a ton, really hundreds of OT businesses with building strategic plans and coaching. And one thing I see over and over and over again is people will say that their unique value proposition, the thing that they do differently from almost everybody else is time and care and attention. What I also see after that Mostly, if they come in within the first couple of years, they're also bleeding money because they want to make that extra time. They want to take that extra care. And a little asterisk here before I finish this question. I will say that I have rarely met any of the OTs that I work with. I think the OTs that go into true entrepreneurship that are the spearhead of this, I don't see a lousy service. I think that we often think, oh my gosh, I have to be perfect. Like I can hear what people are saying right now. Like, oh my God, I need to be like Monica and her company and I need to do better. I'm pretty sure those of you that have decided to become OT entrepreneurs and not just punch the clock are already doing better. So I just wanted to make that statement. But back to my question, which is, how have you avoided that amazing, we will, you know, change the level of standard, which is such a beautiful mission. And we're not going to lose a ton of money because we don't get paid to do that work. That's a great question. You know, it's no secret that Medicaid does not pay very well for therapy services. And so really the biggest thing has been keeping expenses low. And so... For me, it's quite easy to do being a home-based therapy business. You know, we don't have a clinic. We don't have overhead of an office space. We don't have really any utilities to pay for besides very basic internet, a fax service, and maybe a couple other things here, Canva subscription and a few other things. So keeping expenses low has been a main focus and... Really, I think for me, it's not being greedy. You know, I pay my therapist a fair wage. And to tell you the truth, the profit margins are peanuts. You know, we're not making a whole lot over here. But for me, this is my passion is serving this underrepresented population where many other therapy companies will not take in Medicaid clients. That's my passion is serving that population. And so one way or another, I'm going to make it work and yeah, I think, you know, having low expenses has been the best way to increase profits for me. Thank you. Thank you for being so transparent. I want to circle back to that. But before, let's give people a bit of the lay of the land about what your income has been. You can say it's over the last year. You can talk gross. You can talk net, talk net, whatever you're comfortable with sharing. Give us some of the details so people can have a better understanding of where you're at. Yeah, definitely. So, 
This year, we are on track. Well, we've actually already exceeded our gross revenue goal. So my goal, which was, I thought, a little far-fetched, was for 360 k for the gross revenue for the year. And we're just a little bit over that now. And again, I thought that that goal was too far out there. It was not attainable. And here we are. We're exceeding it. So um, that's where we're at for gross revenue right now. Now, I will say a great majority of that goes to my therapists because they are doing all of the work. So we have a team right now of 12 therapists. I'm sorry, 11 therapists plus wow. manager. I didn't know you were that big. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is so big. Mostly OTs. And then we have a couple of speech therapists as well. And so, you know, because of the Medicaid reimbursement rate, they are getting gosh, I would say probably 70% of the, the Medicaid rate. So yeah, that, that 360K, although we've hit that and exceeded it, probably about 70% goes to the therapist. So there's not really a whole lot left over for profit. And then of course, right now, my, my office manager is my boyfriend. <laughs> so he works <laughs> well for done. me. Well done. I love changing this narrative. I remember at the OT Entrepreneur Summit where you and I finally met face-to-face. There were a few people who were like, who here is like retired? No, it wasn't retired their partners. It was hired their partners. And there were, there were a few. I didn't realize that you were part of that group. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I don't know if I would recommend it for everyone to hire your spouse (laughs) as your office manager, but it has worked out right now. That's fantastic. So what we're talking about here then, again, because we have all different levels of people that are listening to the OTs Get Paid podcast. Really, what you are dealing with right now is more of a volume business. And again, to highlight more of a low expense business. And I love it. You're already challenging some of the things I say on the regular, Monica, which is, so for example, one of my platitudes is you're not going to grow wealth by cutting lattes. So when I am faced with a financial you know, growth or, uh, you know, like for example, when I closed my clinic in the middle of COVID and had debt to pay... I don't think about cutting expenses as much as I automatically think about expanding, maybe charging more, maybe developing more programs, maybe selling another thing, trying to extend the lifetime value of a client. And I love that you're like, hey, uh, knock, knock, knock. (laughs) I'm still making some banging mid six figures here and I'm doing it in this way. So I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with any growth or expansion that you do, of course, the the expenses are going to increase as well. Mm-hmm. So the proportion or the percentages kind of stay the same, but the numbers mm-hmm. just get bigger. Yeah. Tell me then, I know we have talked in the past about profit first, because I really do want to go back to, I'm not very greedy. I pay a lot of my therapists really well. Do you pay yourself? Hey, it's Trish. Now that I've got your attention, I wanted to tell you about something that we are really excited about here at OTs Get Paid. This month, we are kicking off our formal, systemic, organized, planned, woohoo, referral program. With every referral of somebody that you bring to us that purchases one of our two signature programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club, we give you money. We're leaning into it. We're leaning into our brand and we're going to get you paid. At this point, we are offering $400 for people who refer someone who enrolls in our 100K Club Mastermind and $250 for somebody that enrolls in our Road to 100K 
program. But we're not stopping there. Your referred member will also get access to a bonus Q&A Zoom call every month that we are doing just for new referred members with our coaches. It's going to be Q&A, ask the coach anything. How are you going to do this? The best way to do this is to connect with us via email or through DMs. We're keeping it really simple for right now. And we're saying, hey, here's their deets. Do you want us to call them? Are they going to get in touch with us? And as long as you mention each other, we will connect you and let our system wheels spin and they will get their bonuses and you will get yours. And I want to remind you, we are a company with a mission. It is to bring more wealth to more female OT entrepreneurs because we know what women do with money. They use it to better their families and they use it to better their communities. So for every dollar that we generate here at OTs Get Paid every year, we give away 1% of our gross income to Dress for Success, which is a charity, an organization that's dedicated to empowering women towards financial independence. I hate to use the term win-win-win. Somebody has a better one. Please let me know. But we don't want you to keep those benefits to yourself anymore. We want your referral partner to win. We want you to win. And of course, we have a social agenda here at OTs Get Paid. So I do, actually. This is something new that I have leaned into after doing Business Bedrocks. I learned about Profit First. Which is Laura Park Figaro's old program. Yep. Yes. So I learned about Profit First. And maybe for the first six months of this year, I was not paying myself my even hourly wage for treating or the time spent working on the business. And so that was becoming a problem. I, I was just barely getting by with just enough to pay my basic expenses. And so now, after implementing Profit First, I have a regular pay schedule for myself. I am paying myself for my treatment hours, plus a little bit extra for what I am spending on the business. And and then talk about a profit distribution, like, whoa, I didn't even know that that existed. And now I'm being able to make you know, different decisions in my business and, and do things that are frivolous too, like, and, and be happy and be okay and not be worried about doing frivolous things because I have that extra money set aside in profit. Tell me and tell those that are, are listening that don't know what you mean by a profit distribution. I think that would be a relatively new concept for a lot of people. Absolutely. That, that's a great question. So in Profit First, we basically have different buckets that we are put, separating and delegating our money to. So for me, I have one main income account that receives all the payments from the insurance company. And then I have an account for owner's compensation, for operating expenses, for payroll, for taxes, and then lastly, for profit. So for me, to get to profit is that I take my gross revenue, subtract my contractors, what my payroll is, and that gives me my real revenue. And based on that number, I then take 14% of it and put it into my profit account. And that profit money stays there until the end of the quarter. And at the end of the quarter, I can take half of that profit money and do with it what I please. And what have you done with it so far? So my uh, quarter three profit distribution, which was my first distribution since starting Profit First, I bought a brand new iPhone 13. (gasps) Oh my goodness, that is so exciting. Yeah, I was previously running my business off of an iPhone 7. And so it was time to upgrade. So I needed to do that for myself. 
You know what? Here's the thing. Oh my gosh. I just, I have so many things to talk with you, Monica. So this same thing happened to me last year. Okay. I broke my telephone and it was probably this time last year, actually. And it was still pretty COVID-y lockdown-y up here in Canada, right? So we couldn't go to the store. I couldn't actually get in a car and go to buy the phone. But I bought it online and they said they could have it by that night. And so the same thing happened to me. I I have never in my entire life bought a brand new, whatever the latest phone was. Like I literally felt like Scrooge McDuck, like I talk about in the beginning, like throwing gold coins all over. And so my daughter was more... um she was not going to school. She was going to school virtually and she was like itching to, you know, get out and about. So I actually, I remember this so vividly. I pressed buy. It said it would be ready at the store in an hour. And she literally came home with this brand new phone. And I was like, this is thrilling. And again, this is why so many people that are OT entrepreneurs that go looking in my opinion, and tell me if you agree, this is now an open-ended question, go looking for coaching advice, business growth advice, startup scaling advice, and it just doesn't resonate because I don't think that people realize that OTs, you know, with their own money, not maybe another person's money that they live with, still think it's a total treat and a half to go out and buy a brand new iPhone. Absolutely. Yeah. It can be things that that matter to you, you know, and I I could have used that profit distribution for anything else to pay off a credit card. Sure. I could have done that, but I needed something that would serve me immediately and serve the business immediately. And I mean, when I say I was running it from an iPhone seven, like I only had Facebook and Instagram on my phone and Mm -hmm. nothing else. I couldn't do any of the productivity apps like Trello or even have zoom on my phone or literally anything else. So it can be something that's frivolous that you just mm-hmm. want for yourself. Mm-hmm. It can be something that serves only you personally, mm-hmm. or it can be something that has a dual purpose and serves the business as well. So for me, a phone served both purposes. Well, and I love it. And I want to underscore, and I know, you know, that you hadn't yet reached your goal of 360, you said, right? Or 380? Mm-hmm. 360. Congratulations on that. And, you know, but I think in the, in the quote unquote real world, like outside the OT bubble, somebody that's grossing that amount of money every year, they're going to have the latest iPhone. They just will. Like if you looked at somebody that was selling, you know, shoes or pies or the garage mechanic or a marketing person, like, and yet OTs can still make that kind of gross and still be, frugal's the wrong word in my opinion, still be conservative with their money. And I, that's why I love talking about this stuff because people are not running to go buy Christian Louboutins, right? And if you are, knock your socks off. I don't care. But most of us are just excited to pay for a brand new iPhone without really thinking about twice about it with the money that they make in the company. Absolutely. It can be something as simple as that or even going on a family vacation too. Like part of that profit distribution was also going to Puerto Rico the, the day after the summit ended. Oh, that's right. I remember that. I had forgotten you had done that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So what's your goal for next year then for what you want to be uh, grossing? Do you want to share that? Yeah. So I'm a little intimidated by it, I have to say. But when we were at the OT Entrepreneur Summit and when we were asked that question, what is your goal for next year? I wrote down on my paper that I want to be a million dollar business next year. And what made you decide on that number? How did that come about? 
Well, if I'm perfectly honest with you, it was just a random number that I Yeah, that's good. I like this. I'm thrilled that that's what you're doing. Okay, great. So people don't believe this. People don't actually believe you just pick a random number out of the air and then it can actually happen. So let's talk a little, tell me about your process around that. So I looked at what happened last year to this year. So last year, my gross revenue, I believe, I want to say it was 270, something around there. And so there wasn't any specific calculation on how I arrived to 360. I just said, okay, well, I like even numbers and I like three. So let's get up to the 300s and let's just do 360. I don't know. It sounded like a good number. And now thinking about a million dollar business, I, you know, I left the summit with so many grand ideas and, and just huge aspirations that I'm like, well, if, if I was able to get to 360 this year, then why not? Why not 1 million next yeah. year? You know, um, if I set yeah. that intention now, I'm going to put in place the systems and take the steps that are necessary to get myself there. Do you know how much pushback I get when I say that to people? Do you get a lot? Oh, yes. Like, I think people truly, I'm, listen, I am not using your example right now to prop me up. I'm using your example without any pre-planning to get enthusiastic. You, can, you can't see people that are listening. My hands are now waving all in front of my face. But it truly is that simple. And I don't think people believe it. And you've summed it up so perfectly. And you dropped breadcrumbs to that, Monica, quite a few times in this interview already by saying, well, you know, I didn't know how we'd get there, but we did. Mm-hmm. And I never saw myself here, but I am. And I really think it's quite that basic. You take, and people, I mean, that really is setting the intention and reverse engineering it as opposed to forward engineering it. And I have a podcast about that. Oh, I don't remember. It was in season one. I'll make sure I link it in the show notes. But it really is about, it's not, you know, math going forward. Like, well, if I made 360 this year, well, it's kind of covid It's still a little tight. You know, I'm kind of tired. Maybe I'll go to Puerto Rico and again for a month. So you know what? Let's make it 400. Like, it's not that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's the biggest secret to that, do you think, then? Do you have any, like, one? Because if there's, like, some doubters that are listening, what what would you say... What's a tip that you would give them if they're just going to pick a number and start to reverse engineer? So I would say share your intentions with the people who are closest around you. So I will say in regards to a money goal, you know, I am a bit conservative with who I share those details with anyway. So I may not be Except all these those. people. Except right, all these except people that are listening. <laughs> yeah. Kona silence, people. Right. <laughs> So yeah, just to share with the people who are closest to you what your goals and your intentions are. So for example, when I made the shift from being a solopreneur to hiring my first employee, I had this idea that came up that it was at the end of the school year. One year, it was in June or so. And I was already working in this private school locally. And this was a school that has about 75% special needs, 25% typical And I noticed that they did not have an OT stationed at that school. And many of their kids did not have any OT services. And so I got the idea. I said, I'm going to make a partnership with this school. And over the summer, I thought about it and thought about it. I told my boyfriend. I told my parents. I told my in-laws. I told other people around me, I'm going to make a partnership with this school. Meanwhile, this school didn't know I was plotting on them. They, They didn't know I had these intentions all summer long. And so I told everyone I knew about it. 
And then when fall came around, I approached them. I had a meeting with the principal and with one of the administrators. And I said, look, this is who we are. This is what I have to offer. Let's send out a letter to all of the parents. It says dedicated pediatric therapy is proud to partner with this school to provide OT services. And within the first week, there was 25 to 30 responses. And these were all kids with the insurance that I accepted because I knew my audience. I knew those were my people. And I said, that's it. Like 25 to 30 kids coming on for therapy. Okay, I have to hire. And that was when I made that shift. So you make your intention known. You kind of make a plan in your head. You put it out there and then you see what becomes of it. And for me, it was instant growth. So it sounds as though you subscribe to the practical and a bit of the woo. Like you're putting it out, you're setting something intention, something energetic, vibrational. You're sharing it with people around you for accountability. I'm also imagining that there's a belief, and you are nodding your head, but there is a belief that, you know, if you put it into the universe, that gets reflected back. But you're not like so super woo that you're not going to actually then make a gosh darn plan and follow through. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you have to be strategic with it, you know, so my my head's not in the clouds that I'm just going to say I'm going to do something and then expect it to come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I put the idea out there and then I make a plan as to how I'm going to achieve mm-hmm. it. I love it. I think, well, that's actually how I do things too. So you're, you are literally speaking my language. Thank you for sharing that. I think you're, you are going to get some, if you have any feedback about that or anything else, as we're going through this interview, please hop into the OTs Get Paid Facebook group because Monica's there and she can answer any questions. But I wonder, uh, I wonder what kind of comments are going to come from that one. Yeah, I'm interested to see. Okay, so this is season two where we talk about sales and marketing. And you and I wanted to bring that flavor to this interview as well. And so you have been marketing and selling so far to people in the Medicaid population. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So give us a brief example of what that kind of marketing and sales journey or system you have in place right now for the clients that you have obtained so far? Certainly. So as I had said, the partnership with the school, that's kind of where we started off. I knew they were special needs children that were likely on uh, the Children's Medical Services Health Plan that we take, which is a form of Medicaid. And so it was intentional targeting of that audience with that partnership with the school. And since then, we are getting our referrals from many different methods. So some of it comes directly from the case managers at, at the insurance companies. They oversee possibly 500 to 600 kids in their care. And when a parent expresses concern that they need OT or speech at home, they contact us directly. We also are receiving referrals in from other partnered schools. So one method, actually my main method of marketing is with our developmental screening program that we have partnered with several local daycares and preschools. So we will go in and screen their kiddos for developmental delays. And then if they are present, or maybe the child may have a concern for autism or something, then we will partner with that parent to help them with the therapy services that they need. So that has been another great marketing stream. And then also just word of mouth. That's been huge. Our reputation is coming to follow us now and and people are seeking us by name. And also Google searches, you know, people are looking for a therapist that accepts my insurance. And so they, they come to find us on Google and, and then, yeah, that's how it comes about. 
I think people feel that sales and marketing, especially if they're in that kind of zero to 100, that start phase of business growth, and you are not, you are in the growth phase of business growth, moving quickly into the scaling phase. And I'm going to be talking a lot more about that as we go on over this next year. But I think they overcomplicate things. And I don't think it's that complicated. I talk about this loop where you need to develop your service, whatever that's going to be, or product. You need to like market it, sell it, deliver it, get paid, get a testimonial. And then you just keep turning that circle over and over and over until you hit 100K. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I would agree with you too that some people feel a little intimidated about marketing or feel some kind of way about it because we are servants and, and we are mm-hmm. helpers. So mm-hmm. at times it can feel a little sleazy, you know, to kind mm-hmm. of market our services, but that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a push, push, push on sales, but it can mm-hmm. also be from a mindset of service. Mm-hmm. And so for me, my main values are excellence and service. Mm-hmm. And so my method of marketing is to go about it in a service way mm-hmm. of mind. And so that is reflected in our developmental screening program. It's a very low cost screening program that we partner with, with low cost or, or low income daycares. And so it doesn't have to feel sleazy. You can still do it with a good heart and yeah. with service as, as in the forefront. Yeah, I love that. And I think most OTs do. And if you don't, I believe you need more experience because it still feels scary. But I think when you're at your level, it's so easy to lead with service because you have proven your value to yourself and to all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients over and over again. Absolutely, for sure. And yet you want to make some changes in the services you want to deliver. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So so to build off of my values of excellence and service, I, in addition to serving our community and with the children that we are working with, I also want to serve my therapists greater in a greater capacity. You know, I am very limited as to what I can pay them just based upon the Medicaid reimbursement rates. And if I could, I would pay my therapist $100 an hour and, and that would make me so happy. But, you know, I can't. So so I'm kind of restricted based upon what Medicaid pays us. And so what I came to you with is I want to learn how do I attract more of a private pay clientele so that I can do more for my therapists. I want to be able to pay them more, be able to provide them with more benefits or CEU stipend or, or things like that. And so how do I navigate the shifting of that marketing audience and while also staying true to my mission of serving the Medicaid population, that low-income population, but just bring a little bit extra in to be able to do more for my therapists. I love it. And I think, I think there, I've, I've seen the inside of a, a number of businesses that are doing what you're doing. And I think there is a natural progression that comes from every business I've seen that has grown like yours that delivers Medicaid. And it's funny, every single intention of of an OT entrepreneur that I've seen that runs this when they want to shift out of Medicare into something else, typically private, it really does come because they want to pay their staff more. And also it comes from a passion project of theirs. They know that they have a certain amount of revenue that's coming in that is on the system. You know, you're not worried if the phone's going to ring tomorrow and that's a really nice place to be. You're paying yourself 
and it's now time to shift into um, an area of expertise, not just as you treating, in this case, a kid on the floor at home. It's also as, you know, possibly a clinical expert, possibly, a you know, business expert. So those are the two things that I see. You mentioned paying your team. Do you also have like a passion project or something that you're feeling called to do and to serve more people with? Yeah, so definitely. What I actually just announced yesterday is my new grad OT mentorship program. So this is really a passion project of something that I truly love to do, which is Mm -hmm. educating students and new grads and helping them navigate their career and elevate their OT career to the next level. And so I just announced it yesterday that we're going to be having this new mentorship program that starts in January. It's going to be for any new grad OT out there, uh, specifically pediatric OT. It could be also fieldwork students who are in a pediatric placement and need that mentorship if they're not getting it from their clinical supervisor. And it could also be for established therapists who are just now getting into the pediatric world. And so... What previously was only exclusive to my fieldwork students and my new grads who work for me as as employees is now going to be available to the public. And so I'm not sure if this is going to have a huge contribution to our revenue goals, but it will bring in extra monthly income that may help me do more for my therapists. And so that is really a, a passion project that's been years in the making through all of my experiences of taking fieldwork students And so that's going to be doing more of what I love and hopefully bringing in a little extra income on the side. That's wonderful. What are your revenue goals for that? Any idea? So I'm really not sure, to tell you the truth. I'm starting Mm -hmm. out at $125 per month. So Mm -hmm. kind of like a subscription. And with that, they will have access to two group mentoring calls, two virtual group mentoring calls for one hour each. And then a one-on-one session where I will virtually observe their OT session with one of their clients. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, at $125 a month, I I think that it's reasonable for new grads. Mm -hmm. I I think that dollar amount is okay. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, even if I only have like eight, Mm -hmm. eight new grads that come to it per month, that Mm -hmm. would be great. That would be satisfactory Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really counting this in as part of my Mm -hmm. revenue goals for next year, but maybe it will help me get there. And who knows, I could be surprised. And maybe there's a hundred that join and I don't know what I would do then. (laughs) I was just going to say that. I don't know. You know, know what's interesting is when you move into private pay and, you know, or moving away from that kind of Medicaid, you're you're doing like low price, high volume, right? And so for anything private, you can set your own rates and you can really make it what you want. And what you have here is an experiment in scaling a little bit because there's more people that you can put into a group than you can with Medicaid. Yet you've still got a time for money thing in there for that one-on-one virtual for that observation, right? Yes. And so I think that's actually a great place to start because I think that provides a ton of value. And those of you that are listening, if you ever feel that there is something very Monica-esque or Trish-esque about something that you want to scale, like group coaching, mentorship, et cetera, remember that in the long run, not in the first year, maybe in the second year, you know, once you get your method, the Monica method, which has been developed, you can teach other people to do that. I mean, that 
eventually, you know, I hope you're not calling the mentorship like the Monica only mentorship program. Okay, good. (laughs) Because that gets really hard to scale yourself out of. So, you know, that's one way to start playing with that time for money while keeping the costs low for your audience. And then is there anything else that parents or people or teachers or people in the space that you've already held for three years, are there anything that they're asking for? There is a common theme that continues to come up, which is caregiver resources, so parent mm. resources. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it, if it comes across as a service or just mm-hmm. strictly a list of resources. So they mm-hmm. are looking for, for example, special needs inclusive schools, mm-hmm. preschools and daycares, looking for sports clubs that are inclusive of special needs, maybe scholarship programs and places mm-hmm. that they can get additional funding. So that's mm-hmm. one common theme that has come up is just extra resources. And maybe even like uh, some of them want to be able to socialize more with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that another participant at the summit, she had mentioned that HIPAA regulations oftentimes prevent us from getting families together. You know, mm-hmm. they want that support and camaraderie around each other. But because of privacy concerns, we can't introduce them and they can't make connections. Mm-hmm. Can they with consent in the U.S.? I don't know. That is something that that I need to explore. I'm really not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that, again, some people have put, that I know of, have put like really very high, one high price ticket item out there for the few that can afford it, whether it's a business service or a clinical service. And then that person takes that money and uses it to establish a connection experience for parents that's free or pay what you can. So that is one idea that you can do as well. You could, and if you don't, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to become what's a busy bee. And when we are growing, often as we are looking at that ascension model and we're looking at shifting into new methods of services, I've never met an OT that has a lack of ideas. In fact, I think OTs are overflowing with ideas. We want to kind of have you be able to choose something that is, because you're going to need new systems, right? You're going to need new onboarding, new offboarding. We want to give you, in fact, I have this sticker on my computer right now. I heard it the other day and it says, make the ideas big and the projects small. And that's a reminder for me because I tend to go off, Rachel Rogers calls it the busy bee, like And you think you're growing because you're just like, oh, I've got an idea for this. And then I'm going to serve this population. I'm going to do this over here. And I think you're in that stage. But that doesn't mean that you should do all those things, right? And in fact, to scale, to to really grow to where you want to get. And to, I mean, if you're making a million dollars, you're in the scaling phase. You're not in the growth phase, right? You're in doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again with incredible, um, it's tight, right? And it's simple and it's streamlined as heck. And then you're going to look at other places for affiliates, for sponsorships, for speaking from the stage, for, you know, something educational like you could do with, you know, one or two things that are like a much higher priced. So perhaps you save one mentorship spot for somebody that's, you know, an international therapist that has the money, wants to jump back in and whammo, there you go. That can, That's not a new grad, right? So there's some things, so you, you know, you kind of have to keep 
and I'm, there's obviously no answers in this kind of discussion back and forth, but you want to keep the idea, and it's one that I'm just resonating more and more about, as like tight, tight, tight as possible. And yet, is there one way that you can still do the program that you've already started, the mentorship program, and add like once a month high ticket oomph, which will take care of paying your therapists more? Or could you take that sheet that every single person is asking for and get somebody to sponsor it, right? So every time you hand that out, it's literally a sponsored one sheet. And there, you know, it would have to be a product or a service that would want to be affiliated with that. And you'd obviously have to have to have some really great ROI, which is that return on investment. Like a header on a piece of paper might not encourage people to take action. But if it was a Google Doc with a video embedded at the top where they got to click through and see something that could serve them, it obviously has to be in alignment and in alignment with your values, right? Mm-hmm. Is there is that a way that you could almost fund that particular service to bring in more money to put an X? And if you show people, first of all... <laughs> If you're not sure of ROIs, as I follow this trail for one more second, you know, you can ask those affiliates or those sponsors for, you know, a three month wiggle time. Like, I want to make sure that you're getting the ROI. We've never done this. Let's see the traction. Let's just jump into this partnership with me after three months. Then we'll figure out how we actually track whether it's being used. And then we can talk about a different price point, but we'll enter into this agreement at like a lower price point. And I also think that you may want to partner, and it's the same kind of idea as grabbing a handful of the families that you know have the most adventurous spirit. People that will give you some of that feedback for free by saying, you know, I'm really interested in trying this to bring more revenue in, to pay my therapist, for example, would you mind being in the trial or testing this for us to see if it would benefit other families? And don't don't hesitate to, and then I'll stop talking about this, don't hesitate to, to let people know why you want to make more gross revenue. You don't have to use the word, I think, selfish or greedy earlier. You can share with people that you want to increase your therapist pay and that's why you're doing it. But those of you that are listening that are like, oh shoot, I just kind of want to get paid more. (laughs) Or, oh shoot, I want to like, you know, I want to actually have outdoor lunches for the families once a week so that they feel, you know, that they are in camaraderie and can be helpful. Like, And in return, that will help us grow, which in return will allow me to get paid more. Like, there's nothing wrong with that either. Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay if you just want to get paid more. We're doing Mm -hmm. a lot of work and we deserve to be compensated for that. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. If all that you want to, if all your intentions are with growing is just to make more money, that's amazing too. Mm -hmm. We all deserve Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I agree. So when I talk about those things that are kind of like outside of Medicaid, like having been this being, not having been, being this passionate person to support this population. Does it feel strange to start talking about those new ideas? Like, what's your reaction? Do you have kind of like this like wall or what, what do you experience when I was 
downloading there. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested in it because I never thought about introducing some kind of sponsorship or something along those lines. That thought never even crossed my mind. But what my intention was with this program was kind of, well, really, it, this idea was spurred by a conversation I had with Reina Oliveira. Yes. So we were talking about course creation. And so at the summit, another participant brought up the idea about what about creating a course for new grads in pediatric home health? And I thought, okay, well, that's great, Mm -hmm. but I don't know where to start. And it's such a, Mm -hmm. it would be such a high ticket item. Where do I start with that? So in talking with Raina, we discussed about doing a mentorship program first. Mm -hmm. So it kind of follows that Ascension model. So it's a Mm -hmm. low cost mentorship program. Mm -hmm. While this is ongoing, I'm collecting data. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking about what are the common themes that we are talking about? Are we talking about sensory integration a lot? Are we talking about bilateral coordination and motor planning skills or what have you, fine motor? And I will use that data then to build a course, which is going to be my higher ticket. Brilliant. Brilliant. So Raina has, I think she's calling it business to boss, boss to business. What is she calling it? business to boss. Yeah. She's doing, if you're interested, she's just launched it. I think she was doing telehealth specialty for a while and is now looking at helping people build digital courses as a side hustle. And I love Raina. I think she does amazing things. So go check her out. That's like a free promo right there. And I see more and more people, more and more people that have bricks and mortar and digital. And I had a short period of time where they overlapped for me. I had my bricks and mortar place. It overlapped for a bit. It was supposed to stay overlapped for a really long time and then COVID and I closed and now I just have a digital business. And I think that's a really clever idea. And I think starting smaller is definitely better because again, you already know this, Monica, and this is why I'm just going to keep talking about scale, growth, and startup because these are legitimate business concepts that we don't talk about at all in the OT world. And really, you are now, what you need to do to start a new business is very different than what you need to do to grow and scale dedicated pediatric therapy. And that can be tiring. Right? It yes. can be tiring to be like the therapist, the team lead, the CEO, team lead of the boyfriend, <laughs> and correcting people that say your name incorrectly in French. And you know, and now you have to learn to be a digital CEO. And that's like um, that comes from Melissa Lapointe, who also does a lot of work in that space. So I think you need to make sure that when you embark on that, and I think many, many, many more people are, and it's a nice way to diverse revenue streams and have a different looking ascension model, just be aware that I want you to have a bricks and mortar. I mean, in your case, it's not officially a bricks and mortar. It's like, you know, it's their bricks, their mortar. It needs to be tight because you're Mm -hmm. going to be learning a totally different way of business. So if there's a way additionally that you can, like, I would, I agree wholeheartedly that people should be in the digital business world because I think it's just the way of the future. And I think it's far more scalable. Additionally, I wonder if you could outsource that project to somebody. This is turning into a coaching call and it wasn't supposed to, but that's fine. I'm wondering if there's a way that you can still outsource somebody to find some kind of affiliate or sponsorship for dedicated pediatric therapy, because that's not new. Mm -hmm. That would be And a a very common addition to any business that wants to scale, that's a bricks and mortar business, you could outsource it, you can give a few ideas and then say to somebody, the more senior therapist, the boyfriend, whomever, go. While you have to make more of your attention 
as the digital CEO as well. What do you think about that? I think that's interesting. And 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 I think I kind of am taking steps to get to that point. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, I promoted one of my OTRs to OT supervisor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning to delegate and let go mm-hmm. of some of that control. So she's oh, yeah. taking in most of the new intakes that are coming in Good. and then doing those evals so that I don't have to and then managing the, the CODA who is treating those kiddos. So I'm trying to put her in more of a leadership uh, leadership position so that she can take more off of my plate. And it actually has been a, a win all the way around because for actually a while, for several months, she was pushing back against it. She, she would say, I just don't have time for it right now. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm in a great space in my life right now for this. And I kept asking her, asking her. And then one day I just called her up and said, hey, is this a good time? Do you want to be a supervisor? Can we make it happen? And she said, yes. Nice. And the first maybe six weeks went clear by. Clear is kind, says Brene Brown. Clear is kind. You were yes. very clear. Absolutely. So she knew what my expectations were for her. And maybe six or eight weeks went by into her promotion. I said, hey, how's it going? And she said, you know what? I actually love this. Mm-hmm. She said, I want to be doing more of this work. Perfect. She said, maybe yep. cut down on treatment and do more supervisory. Perfect. Yep. Said, yes. Yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a few, it's a whole win. So Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, the very first thing is he says, you need the right people on the bus. In fact, I want to ask you a question about this coming up because it's one of my big platforms is it really, the CEO doesn't mean you're just at the top of the org structure and you do everything except treatment. You need a few trusted people that want to take on different roles because even when they become, quote, managerial or administrative roles, you shouldn't be doing all of it either. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that person, and then you can start to see what that person's area of expertise is from a team. Is it operations? Is it marketing? Is it managing the other staff? Like there's big chunks that you can then take and then they can start working in their zone of genius too. Because ultimately at the end of the day, anything that we do in our zone of genius, anything that you decide to do to spread out, to, you know, grow dedicated pediatric therapy to bring in more revenue so you can pay your therapists more, it has to be dead easy for you to do. And it has to fill you up because your role is becoming more and more and more about guiding the ship. And Anytime you put your time into something as the CEO, especially for a business that is in, you know, scale mode, you need to be in your zone of genius at least 60%, if not 80% of the time. So whatever you build from there, that's like one of my number one recommends. Do you feel that that's the mentorship is that place? Yes, I think so. For for mm-hmm. me, it is. It is something that really fills my cup and mm-hmm. makes me happy to do. And I am doing it continuously for free anyway. So why not monetize it? Yeah, exactly. It? <laughs> Smart. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I think it will get me toward doing more of what I love and, and being in my zone of genius, which actually for me includes treating and this mentorship. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions actually that, that you had on your list brought me to, I, I was kind of unsure and I was like, well, this might not be the right question for me. So is it okay to share this this future question that we are going to talk about? Yeah, I don't even know what you're going to say, but you okay, can say whatever so you want. Okay, so when you had asked, what are the top three things you did that helped you move from working in your business? That's exactly what I was going to ask you next. We're so okay. Okay, great. That's where I was taking you. Go for it, Monica. You read my okay. mind. Okay. 
So when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is an interesting question. I might not be able to give you the answer that you're looking for. So for me, I have really realized over these last six to eight months that I truly love treating more Mm -hmm. than I love running this business. A lot of people say that, that are entrepreneurs, a lot. I'm so interested in you telling me more about this. So what do you do? So I think for me, it's more about having a good balance. So Mm -hmm. I have kids that I have been with for five or six years continuously. They have significant medical needs and they're always going to need therapy. And I am attached to these kids. I'm their honorary auntie. And so I can never see myself leaving those kids until they age out of the program. And so for me, having balance is what's important. So right now I'm still treating about 25 hours per week. And doing extra evals on the side as well. That's a lot. And then maybe about 25 to 30 hours running the business. And for me, I want to work less on the business. So I want to be, my passion is to work in the business, be treating more and less working on. And so for me, the the way that I'll get there is with refinement of my systems, Mm -hmm. making things more efficient delegating to other people so that I have more of just an oversight role. Yeah. So for me, that that's what my future looks like is a good balance of treating and running the business and mentoring. That's my other passion right along with, with treating. And so hopefully one day I will get there when, when we are more balanced and it might just be 20 hours of treating per week and then running the business on the side and only putting in 10 to 15 hours with the business stuff. There's this like underlying theme this whole time. I mean, it wasn't so underlying in the beginning when you were told new grads shouldn't go into home healthcare and you said, watch me. And again, very traditional org structure that like any business coach would say, okay, as a CEO, you've got this amount of time here and this and this. And you're like, no, watch me. And I do hear that from really interesting, energetic, dedicated OTs that want to grow and have a passion and a mission. And then they get in the business owner or CEO role and they're like, oh, nuts. I don't love this. I love the impact that I'm having. I love seeing all these amazing therapists and, you know, families or clients or people buying my product. And you're like, oh, but I don't want to miss the nucleus. And so you're like, okay, well, I'll, you know, give me your org structure and I'll turn it on its side. (laughs) Yes. But what I do want to say to this is that really is why you should be working in your zone of genius as the CEO, whatever that is for you, anything that's, and I mean, It shouldn't be by default. If you go in there with intention, and again, this might be part of your passion project. It's like actually, and and I've just talked to somebody this week who wanted to, two people this week actually, who their passion project is building a product or somebody else wants to create, you know, a retreat space in the Caribbean and somebody else wants to become a clinical leader in trauma. Like there's all these different quote unquote passion projects that come up once you are well into the growth phase and going into the scale phase. And that, it doesn't have to look like that for you, right? As long, and it's, again, it's really about the unsexy time management and what do you do with your time as a CEO? Because you should be able to, as a true CEO that's in the scale phase, be able to take a lot of time to do what you want in the business, beside the business, like something else work-related, right? And so Mm -hmm. for you, that's treating. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not for everyone. And and for a lot of business owners, they they create their business to get out of the trading world. But, you know, there shouldn't be any shame with, with either yep. direction that you I go. Totally it's agree. about what fills up your cup and mm-hmm. what you are most passionate about. And for mm-hmm. some, it's the business operations. And for mm-hmm. others, it's trading. Yeah, I love that. 
So we are going to start wrapping things up. I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions for our end, our close. Are you ready for them? Yes. Okay, great. What is your biggest personal money splurge? It was the new iPhone 13. Okay, but that was also for work. Yes, that was, it was business related. So I'm going to push back on you a little bit. Okay. So we'll call that a, your, biz, your biggest business related splurge. What is your biggest personal money splurge? Trips, I would say. Taking yes. trips in and traveling. That is my biggest splurge. Where is your next dream holiday taking you? Puerto Rico again. Again. Because your partner's experience. from Puerto Rico, right? Is that oh, no, I, no, he's from oh, Maine. Oh, you just love this. Oh, okay. He's from Maine. He's from the Puerto Rico of the North. <laughs> Okay, I got that one wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, we just, we really enjoyed our time there. And so I want to spend a whole nother week there. So oh, that's in right. the immediate horizon, maybe February or something. Oh, good, good. I'm so glad that sounds divine. Mm. Do you have any paid or unpaid help in your life? Yeah, so my boyfriend, he is both paid and unpaid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets paid for his time working on the business, but mm-hmm. also at 11 and 12 o'clock at night when a thought pops in my, se- into my head and I say, oh, what do you think about this? And he's got one eye open, you know, and, and he's thinking like, are you, what is your brain doing right now? And he's just thinking like, <laughs> you should be like winding down and trying to go to sleep. And I'm just thinking of new business ideas. So he is really my paid and unpaid help. That's wonderful. Okay, last question. If I could wave my magic money wand and put another seven figures, I won't say just seven figures because you'll be having this by the end of 2022, another seven figures into your business bank account, what would you do with it? I would put it into my therapist and my kids. Mm -hmm. Not Mm. the children that you have yourself. No, I don't children. children. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to make sure people get that. So, it's the kids as dedicated pediatric therapy. Give me an, give yes. me a, like, we've talked about staff pay. Give me an example of what you would want to funnel the money into the kids at dedicated pediatric therapy. So for the kids, it would just be with providing their families with the resources they need. It could be mm-hmm. as simple as buying them groceries for the week. Mm-hmm. It could be as simple as buying them a new bath chair that Medicaid denied or mm-hmm. bathroom renovations that they so desperately need that nobody else will pay for. Mm-hmm. Just anything that will help make their lives easier, even a wheelchair accessible van, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, that would make such an impact and change somebody's life. That's mm-hmm. what I would do. I love it. That's a really good place to end. Thank you so very much for coming on the podcast and being so thought-filled, for being so open, for, you know, challenging some traditional stereotypes and just, you know, you have this lovely way about you that's calming and steady and also you just get hit by this like boom you just come out of like somewhere and just like light me on fire right with like something you push back on or an idea and um I feel really lucky that we have that type of person that we have you in the OT entrepreneur space Thank you so much. You were so kind. I, I am so thrilled to be able to work with you and, and, you know, to learn more about what you have to offer to the OT community. I mean, you have such gifts that you are giving and with what you're providing to this community, your hand is stretching so much farther than you could even imagine. And you're Thanks. making impacts on people right here in South Florida. So that's something to be proud of. Thank you. Well, you know, it's so interesting. Uh, and I've said this a few times, but like OTs get paid. I loved that idea when I first 
came up with the brand two years ago, year and a half ago, because it just kind of same thing. It just kind of came out of nowhere and rattled some cages. And I was like, oh, I don't mind being that woman. I don't mind rattling some cages. And I think it played on worth and self-worth. But what I didn't really realize as I dug into the topic more and more and more, and you were talking earlier about hearing patterns, et cetera, it's also like what I'm hearing is that, in fact, at the middle of my Venn diagram framework for OTs get paid is becoming a paid peep. But it's really, really, really what OTs want is freedom and impact. That's what they really want. If I was really clever, I'd rebrand as OTs want freedom and impact, but it's not as catchy. (laughs) (laughs) And so thank you for that, because I think we both want that same thing. Absolutely. For sure. I would agree. Thanks, Monica. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you had feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. 